Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Greetings to those who watch below. It's Brimstone here. Today we have something a little bit different that's never really happened on this channel before. We've got a sequel to a viewer experience. To take you back, a while ago I read a personal experience by a guy called Senior Gupta, which we named The Stomping Grounds. A couple of days after the story went live, I got an email from a guy called Doug, who is featured in the story, saying that he was the real Doug there and he wanted to back up everything that his friend had said, uh, to say it really happened. And he also offered to write his side of the story, which, after checking with Gupta, he was the real deal. And a couple of months later, I received this. It's been sat in my inbox for a while, but I'm glad to have a chance to actually read this now for you guys. I hope you'll enjoy this. This is The Stomping Grounds, Part 2, Doug's Story. These are the events that took place some time ago, in a particular set of woods, in a specific location that will remain undisclosed as to the preservation of this area, more so the overall danger it can impose if it chooses to do so. You may have heard Senior Gupta's The Stomping Grounds, these are my accounts of what happened. This is Doug's side of the story. A larger insight into the end events of the Stomping Grounds original story. These events are true, and I swear it, even with death present. Not like that would be a new feeling after what happened there. This took place with some very good friends of mine, who over time came to be a lot more than just friends. Let me take you back to when I met Anthony, the first person I came into contact with when I started to dabble in some things that I should have taken a very different approach to in life. I found myself in way over my head, so I thought. That's when I actually met Anthony, somebody who was at the time much more adept in the practice I would soon come to know as my own. At the time I was dating a girl called Melissa, and we had tried to summon measurable forces beyond our actual control that surely ended up backfiring on us. Anthony a friend I met at school, knew a lot about this sort of thing. He stepped in to help us out, and quickly we became good friends, being very intrigued by his knowledge of the occult and many other practices, including Middle Eastern energy work, and best of all I thought, first-hand experience. Needless to say, we hastily got to work when he decided to take me under his wing. That happened directly after my troubles that Melissa and I had gotten ourselves into, and it didn't take me long to have all the basics down of classical witchcraft and meditation techniques. Anthony and I's contact did become limited in some following months, and that came to be a year or so. We'd been dating a girl named Jane now, and I had moved a few times, but that didn't stop me from staying focused. I would meditate for hours a day and practice all the things I needed to know. This had become a part of my life integrated so well. 
As we all got a bit older, meeting up wasn't a hassle anymore, taking the bus, driving, whatever. Anthony had decided to introduce me to some older guys that he knew, named Joe and Scott. These were the people who had taught Anthony the very same techniques as he taught me. I felt pretty honoured in their presence, my young mind processing all of it at once, basically, overloading it at times. And that's when Anthony decided it was time. Time that I saw the woods, a place that was vast and overgrown, and he spoke of how he had many adventures back there, and how some of them were terrifying. And that's what really got me going. So we went on our first day walk. Back there, he showed me all of the places he had mapped out and named. Sometimes we would trek alone, and sometimes we would go with his girlfriend Jane and some other people as well. But because we were going in there for our ritualistic justices, we usually went in alone. We went on occasion with Joe and Scott on several night runs, and had a lot of memorable experiences back there that made us grow closely as brothers. Months went on of the usual night runs and activities. The place was like a spectral zoo, one giant meeting ground for beings of all kinds. The woods had a dark history to it. A lot of stories about women who were taken there from the adjacent mall and raped. Some of these women even killed. Others included brutal murders and even a rumour of police finding a severed rotting old head. I'm not sure how much of that is rumour or not, but from what I've experienced, I could see how that place could drive someone to commit such heinous crimes. One night that really should have stuck out as a red flag should have been enough warning, but it made us come running back for more. One night, we walked into the woods, and the air felt unusually heavy. We crossed the boundaries of the tree line, and went looking for the beings that we would usually see an encounter. I'll leave them unnamed. What we called them is used in popular culture today, which ruins the authenticity. As I said earlier, this place is a spectral meeting ground, usually full of activity from sprites and other anomalies. This place had... these guardians. They look a bit like shadow people, only much thicker, energy-wise, and darker, taller, larger than any shadow I've ever seen. At this point in time, Anthony and I were on a pretty level playing ground, both of us quite adept in our practice. On this particular night, things were off, by a lot. The woods were empty, and we couldn't find a single being. Well, I'd bought a tool, a nice pendulum that vibrated just right with me at the time. We sat down by a log, and I began to use it to speak out to the beings we usually encounter. Sure enough, they answered. It's easy to tell when they get close. It starts slow and electric. Then everything just gets colder, and the shadows seem to seethe and writhe with darkness. As they get closer and move in on your perimeter, you become stricken with an overwhelming sense of dread. These beings knew we were friends of the forest, so they usually showed no aggression. That's also due to Anthony's previous encounters with them. Sure enough, it started, and happened very fast, much more than usual. Immediately, the stone and chain went totally haywire, and started spinning so rapidly that I thought it would jump out of my hand. After a few short questions of acknowledgement, 
it nearly stopped dead, with no effort, and pointed straight downwards. Feeling its tug, I asked where it resided. It stuck out straight for three or four seconds directly in front of me. Anthony and I knew this was the direction of the asylum. That's the section of the woods those beings tended to hang out the most. Something strange happened to me. This being wanted to... shake hands? I'm not sure what it was doing. Maybe just showing me its true self or some kind of energy exchange. Needless to say, I felt myself become completely engulfed in dread and pressure. I felt as though I was encased in an iceberg inside of a compactor that was on full throttle. Several agonizing moments of cold, desolate anxiety. Such depth of eternal cold, and for a small moment, being all alone in those woods beyond those woods, in a vacant place devoid of light, composed of desolate velvet black, as if frozen in time, during the coldest, darkest night of farthest, coldest space imaginable. My memory surfaces around breaking the tree line, and I was shaking, and my body was tingling all over. I'm still not sure as to why we ran, but I'm guessing Anthony just knew better. We hadn't returned there as frequently after that, but it only made us more interested in that place. Some time had gone by, and I had met a woman named Shirley, and we quickly fell for one another. She also had a dark history, and much involvement in the same activities as Anthony and I, so it went without saying that she had to see the place. We did a walk back there, very briefly, and during the day. We'd been talking about it for a while, and really wanted to go during the evening hours, and soon the day was set. I was already with Anthony that day, and we had gotten there just before sundown. We had Shirley meet us out there, and we all walked into the thickness of the woodland before us. Everything was calm and vacant. This place was empty. We couldn't even tell, because we were distracted by how much fun we were having. Swinging from ropes like eight men across the woodland floor, it began to get a bit darker, as the sun retired a bit more than halfway below the horizon. That's when it happened. The air became thick and dense. It was hazy, a fog that shouldn't have been able to occur. Anthony Shirley and I split. Without a single word or sign of acknowledgement, we all just walked in different directions from each other. Something wasn't right. I felt a sense of danger, as if my life would surely end in those woods. That night, moments from me. Something out there close to me was seething with violence. I could feel its stench and foulness penetrating my being. I began to look for the others. All the while, this thing right behind me. I started to move faster. I could feel its silent footsteps. I felt its intentions, wanting to keep my face as one of its many and eviscerate every last bit of all of us. Something that was especially frightening because usually things back there are not capable of manifesting this amount of physical threat. This was not human, and not of this world. I was truly stricken with fear beyond what I thought I could experience. I stopped it in my tracks, and what was once behind me was somehow 
right in front of me. I could see it in the darkness, a pitch-black, gigantic thing, a monstrosity so horrible that it would leave the faint of heart devoid of faith to any god. I slowly started to turn around. As my energy felt, every terrifying detail it was manifesting, and it contorted with wicked chaos. Just before I was about to bolt, something stopped me again, and shot a mixture of emotions that made me feel like death was in my presence. It wasn't exactly a howling or a growl. It was more like a painful wailing, sort of hooting sound. About six or seven feet to my right, where I was turning away from. I didn't know it was that close to me. I heard leaves crunching, and I knew it had taken a physical form. I grounded myself, and as he came running to me, we both began to sprint. He was screaming frantically about the sound, asking if I heard it. I told him I was going for Shirley, and just to keep going. We both had machetes, but that wasn't enough to satisfy my need for personal security and protection. I found Shirley by a tree. She was terrified and shaking. I grabbed her by the arm and told her we're leaving. We sprinted, hacking away a brush. Anthony wasn't too far ahead. I could still make out his silhouette. This tormented wailing followed right on our heels chasing us the whole way out. We could hear it, all the way, until we got to the hill we always cross over. I truly believe, if whatever was in there that night had gotten a hold of us, we would surely be dead, and missing to this day. I have a lot of respect for the stomping grounds, and the beings that exist there. I have not experienced anything to this day that is as ultimately terrifying. I'm not sure what it was that chased us out, but if you ask me straight up, it was a wendigo, said to come out when a group of witches go into the woods to provide a test, whether that's me, trying to make sense of it, or what the energy has told me. I can't be 100% sure about what was attacking us, but I do know that that set of woods genuinely scares the hell out of me, and what happened there? has become a very important part of my life and who I am today. And you couldn't tell me I'm wrong. So remember, not all ghosts reside in old hospitals, abandoned buildings and scary-looking graveyards. Some are right in your backyard, and hidden deep within the blackness of the woodlands. Brimstone here again, guys. Really hope you enjoyed the story. Um, as a interesting point the pictures that you've been looking at throughout this tale are from the stomping grounds Anthony aka Senior Gupta as you may have guessed actually went there again for me to take these pictures personally I just want to say a massive thank you to you and also a big thank you to Doug as well for sharing your story with all of us it's fantastic and I hope you all enjoyed it and I did it some justice I will be back again on Monday with a brand new video, so until next time, sleep tight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.